Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Serie A fan, it's May Day for Fonseca as Roma's Europa League campaign gets torpedoed in Manchester. Juve are also all at sea as Agnelli and crew prepare to abandon ship and Captain Pioli's Milan drift outside the top four. But it's plain sailing for Napoli while Inter disappear over the horizon on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome back to Scudetto, your weekly update on top flight Italian football. And uh, our regular listeners will notice that we're recording a bit late this week. And the reason for that is because during our regular recording slot, Roma were playing in the Europa League semi-final against Man United. Unfortunately, not the result that we as Italian football fans were looking for, obviously. Um, And we will be discussing that in a little bit. But first, let's check in with the squad. Kenny. Happy long weekend. How's it going? How's your week been? Hi, Oscar. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, It's been a good week. It's been a good week. I have done three things in particular this week that I haven't been able to do for for a long time. Uh, Number one, which you seeing me on the the video monitor will probably note, is that I've had a haircut at long last. Very smart. Thank you very much. Uh, number two, I managed to go for a swim, which was which was really really nice. And number three, most importantly, I think for for this podcast is that the craft beer shop you'll be delighted to know uh, near me has has opened up again. Now that uh, non essential shops, as they dismissively refer to them, are allowed to to trade again. So That's I've fantastic uh, news. yeah, I've managed to get my my hands on some uh, some fancy beers again. And today I've got myself a Campervan Brewery Beer Country West Coast IPA. It's a bit of a strong one. I've already cracked it open, uh, full of flavor, and I'm a big fan. Beer Country? I thought you said Bear Country earlier. I did. I just misread it. <laughs> okay. It's Bear Country. You're correct. <laughs> oh, it is Bear Country. Okay, <laughs> <It> cool. <is. laughs> I don't think Northern Ireland's Bear Country. I'm in actual Bear Country here, although I haven't yet seen a bear, so... Yeah, Could well, Camp- Campervan Breweries in Edinburgh. It's an Edinburgh beer. You don't have any bears in Scotland, do you? You've got wolves again now, but yeah, this is uh, very off topic. Um, anyway, Oscar, how was your week? Yeah, my week was all right, thank you. We're preparing for um, May Day here, or Vapu, as it's called in Finland, and um, all the shops will be closed. Right, it's a bank holiday, but we don't actually get a holiday for it because it falls on a Saturday, which is a bit of a pain. But all the shops will be closed. So I've just been to buy my beers and um, I got a Heineken, which is, sounds like a boring choice, uh, but I'll, I'll take a picture of it and post it on our Twitter. It's the first Euro 2020 themed beer can that I've seen. And obviously Finland are going to be participating. So there's a big Finnish flag in the star. But it was quite fun. Tremendous. Awful beer, but tremendous. Uh... Yeah, it wasn't too nice. I've actually already finished drinking it and ditched it for a, a Fat Lizard California Pale Ale, which I've had before and is very nice. Um, Boaz, how about you? 
how are things going on your side? I'm doing very well after my um, delusions of grandeur last week. I'm I'm back and uh, very much feet on the ground. Um, part of you, happy to be with you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've um, welcomed you back with kind of semi-open arms. You'll notice that I went before you in the introductions this week, kind of down the running order a little bit. Yes, I think I'll get the story that I was supposed to say last week out of the way. Um, I went out for a run and uh, it was late at night and I stopped to have a sip of uh, energy drink company that doesn't sponsor us and therefore I'm not going to name. And uh, I was kind of uh, on my phone feigning mock disdain at an argument with some friends. And I looked up and there was this um, drug addict homeless woman, like literally a centimeter from my face. And so I didn't know what to do. I thought, what should I do? I didn't have any money on me. I was I was jogging. So <laughs> my natural reaction was to scream like in Home Alone. Ah! And she started screaming too. And the whole street was staring at both of us and we're screaming at each other. And I ran off and I was... I, I was cracking up while I was running, so I'm this mentalist guy running one of, down one of the main streets of Tel Aviv, cracking up and screaming. Ah! So, yeah, good this times. Probably a Scudetto listener. Just wanted to ask your opinion on the new uh, suggested playoff format. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think she was asking for some money, but it was potentially she was stopping me because she's a long-time listener and she recognized my voice. <laughs> And she knew that Ascudetta was coming up soon. So next month, next week, guys. So yeah, that was and that, that's the first of my running-related stories. But I'll keep the the other one for next week. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Um, and how about a beer this evening? Have you uh, got anything special? I've got a Brewdog Elvis Juice grapefruit infused IPA. Pretty awesome. Yeah, you can tell it's getting a bit sunnier in all of our respective locations. We're all bringing out the fruity IPAs and lagers citrusy good stuff anyway let's um talk about last night shall we i think we all watched the game in some capacity and yeah where should we start with it i mean it, it was kind of an encapsulation of roma's season in one game really wasn't it what, what did you make of it kenny yeah i mean roma started the game Started the game very well. The first half, really. Well, even beyond the, the first half, the first sort of 50 minutes or so were uh, perfectly, perfectly good. I thought that uh, Roma dealt with the, the, the cards that they were dealt uh, very, very well, considering they had three injuries within the space of about half an hour. Uh, losing Veretout so early was uh, a huge, a huge blow. Um, but they really kind of dug in and uh, did did really well to to respond to what was a great Man United opener. It has to be said, did very well. We're perhaps a bit fortunate with the penalty, despite the fact, as you said, Oscar, before we started recording, it was one of those ones that I mean, just incredibly lucky or unlucky, depending on which way you're looking at it. But nevertheless, undoubtedly, a penalty by by the laws of the of the game. Um, but did did really well. And then, bizarrely, I think everyone was expecting Fonseca to make some changes uh, at halftime, given that they had used up the, the three windows that they have for, for injuries um, in that first half. 
but um, they came out unchanged in the second half and Man United absolutely ripped them to pieces. And I think the most disappointing thing was much as Man United were excellent in that, that second half and much as there were some horrific goalkeeping uh, errors, uh, two in particular, really. Um, but it was just the fact that once... Once they went down, they just seemed to, coming back to what we spoke about uh, on, I'm not sure if it was last week's pod or the, the week before, um, they just c- completely seemed to lose any sort of fight, any desire. I mean, their defense was all over the place. The midfield wasn't giving the defense much of uh, much much in the way of, of help. And I mean, that game, just like they were just begging for the final whistle because... It was six two, and despite being two one to Roma at half time, six uh, two at the end of ninety minutes absolutely did not flatter Man United because they absolutely hammered Roma in in the second half, and Roma just didn't put up any fight. They just kind of seemed to to raise the the white flag, um, and I think that's probably the most damning thing of all. Really, uh, really, really disappointing from an Italian football fan's point of view um, for the last team in Italy to go out with a whimper like that. Just really, really disappointing. I know there's another leg to come, but I mean, we all know it's over, really, don't we? Yeah, I think that's a, a harsh but probably very fair assessment that you've, you've given there. Um, what did you think, Buzz, of the the impact of the goalkeeper being injured? Like, how much of the blame do you think can be? Or, well, yeah, how much is it down to that, and how much can we blame Fonseca? So in the past, I've scapegoated both uh, Roma's keepers. In fact, I've probably done it on the most recent episode. But in this case, I think the the keeper swap was slightly out of um, Fonseca's hands because it was due to an injury. Um, having said that, I have to mention again that it seems a bit ridiculous that the club of uh, Roma's stature uh, doesn't have a reliable shot st- stopper in goal and while Paolo Lopez occasionally has some surprises he's also uh dropped a few clangers this year and so um when I when I saw that Mirante came on I can't I'm not sure it was it was definitely not an upgrade on Paolo Lopez but I can't you can't def, you can't say everything was uh the game was lost because of this instance but perhaps as a bigger picture the free injuries that occurred were uh, what eventually shot the uh, Roma in the foot. To touch on your second question, uh, undoubtedly Fonseca will end up being the scapegoat for this. While that's probably a little bit unfair for him to be a scapegoat for uh, a season that has been um, very up and down, in this particular game I think he has to take his blame because once these injuries that we've mentioned came to fruition, Roma should have changed their tactics. He had absolutely no problem in the previous leg uh, to go very, very defensive against uh, Ajax and drop deep and let Ajax keep the ball. So it's it's obviously not a philosophical thing, but in this game, either the the players didn't listen to him or he didn't tell them to uh, defend more. And uh, I believe the United goal for the 2-2 was indicative of this with um, nine Roma players in, the, in United's half. I understand that Attack is the best form of defense, but given how the whole game had uh, turned out, this was a mistake. And uh, just to touch on something else that Kenny said there, and also link up to what we said uh, last week when Roma lost, it feels to me that the Roma are uh, mentally uh, fragile. I understand that uh, 
the losses through injury in the game were a big blow. But it, the big clubs in these situations, they, that's make it or break it. And in this case, uh, Roma just crumbled. Um, balls were being lost uh, needlessly. Pa- passes were really off their mark. Players were being left completely free in the area. This is the kind of stuff that I think is kind of the ABC of football. And it, I'm not sure how much you can blame uh, Fonseca when the players are just not doing their job. Yeah, it's hard to know really what the problem there is, though, isn't it? Because we, we were just saying before, you look at their squad and on paper, like it's full of good players. They're just really not getting it done. And it, it looks like there's very little chance of them getting fifth now, like let alone fourth. So, yeah, I mean, if you were Dan Friedkin, Kenny, what, what, what are you looking at as kind of the main things that you need to change? It sort of it beats me. I don't <laughs> maybe a new manager like yeah well there i think there had been the suggestion coming into into this game that uh, uh no secret that roma's last shot of the champions league this season was the the europa league and there had been some suggestion that uh, if roma failed in the the europa league that fonseca's job would be on the line i think actually today before we recorded there were some rumors doing the round that um, he was actually going to be relieved of his duties today, which to me, at this point, it's kind of, what's the point in doing it? I can understand if you're like, (laughs) get your team ready for next season, et cetera, et cetera. But this year we've got a Euros, you know, it's like you're not going to learn too much from these last few games as a new manager coming in. I think what what does have to be said in Fonseca's defence is that that was the scenario, right? Like the Europa League is their last chance to kind of salvage their season. Probably not the best time for all of these stories to be flying around about Sarri coming in to take over. I mean, if uh, it, I, I'm not sure where those stories were coming from, but presumably within the club, it seems like they're not without foundation and just the timing of that just feels like ah, couldn't couldn't that have waited another week. I mean, the likelihood is that Roma, as Italian football fans, we all would have wanted Roma to to pull out a result here. But the the likelihood was that Man United were gonna were gonna win this game. I mean, couldn't you even have waited until it looked like the Europa League wasn't gonna happen before those sort of stories coming out in the press? It just kind of feels to me so counter. Yeah, I know. I'm not sure that they would have come from the club side, just because he was very quickly linked also to the Tottenham job. And I wonder if there's somebody on his behalf linking him to, or or work working on the other side that's uh, leaking things to the press. I don't know. Maybe look, but this uh, I guess we'll we'll only find out. Cigarettes are much cheaper in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll only I guess we'll only find out over the the summer as this plays out. Unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because I do think Fonseca is uh, is a good manager. I just think that something's gone wrong at Roma. It, it's not the first time that there's been a very decent manager at a club where it just hasn't worked out for for him. And I think beyond that, he seems like an absolute uh, gentleman. The way he conducts himself off the field, uh, I think, is really 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 good even in the aftermath of of this the press conference 
I think uh, a journalist said, look, I hate to ask you this, but do you think you're going to be here next season? Pretty much. Uh, and even that question, which, you know, many other managers, I mean, we know exactly how Jose Mourinho uh, responded to that type of question. For example, <laughs> we know how an Antonio Conte reacts to those sort of questions. But Fonseca just kind of took it in his stride and said, look, this is a really, really difficult moment. And at at, at the moment, that's a very difficult question for for me to answer. So, I mean, I do think he's a class act. He's obviously uh, had his differences with uh, certain players, Edin Dzeko, to kind of <laughs> <laughs> name the, the main one. Um, but um, I, I, I do feel for him going because uh, it seems like a, a genuinely nice, a genuinely intelligent uh, man and a, a genuinely good football manager. But for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out for him at Roma. Yeah, and he wears a great hat as well. Uh, shouldn't be underestimated. Looks he like does, a, a character yes. from Peaky Blinders. Uh, but yeah, maybe he can come to Tottenham and then Roma can have Sarri. I think that would be uh, an in- interesting to see. See Spurs roll it back to the Ardiles years, but not really content <laughs> for this podcast. Okay, that's probably enough about Roma. We should talk about Juventus, though, while we're on the topic of managerial changes, because there's been a lot of rumours flying around that Allegri could be on his way back and that this could sort of uh, signal wider managerial changes uh, at the club. What what do you make of this, Kenny? What's um, yeah? What what's the sort of impetus behind bringing Allegri back? Well, it seems it seems to be obviously Juve's Juve's disappointing season is obviously the yeah. I mean, is the impetus behind. I mean, but, but Allegri particularly, I guess. Yeah, well, the thing, the, the way I'd see it is a recognition that a couple of years ago they decided they wanted uh, a bit of a revolution. They wanted to freshen things up, and maybe what needed to be to be done was freshening up of the the hierarchy at the club um, instead of freshening up of the the managerial side of the club. Uh, these rumors, uh, or I mean, they're very substantial reports in the Gazette. I know that Allegri has been seen around uh, Tor- Torino this this week, which is no surprise because apparently he still has a house there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, the, the the story goes that Allegri, if he did come back, would have much more of a sort of Alex Ferguson type uh, role, Alex Ferguson at United type role, where he'd have much more control over transfers. Um, and I know that there was the the talk of uh, Allegri basically saying to, I'm not sure if it was Paratici or if it was Agnelli or who it was, but basically saying to them, look, you've got to get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo because, or yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo is not going to work for this club because he's he takes too much of the, the attention. He doesn't give, him being there means that, that the younger players don't have a chance to break through. He leads, it leads to an imbalance in the squad where everyone's looking to him. So maybe this is a realization that so everyone uh, knew that surely. Yeah, this maybe this is just a realization. Last summer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. But I think it, it does go beyond. It does go beyond that, and the reports are the Paratici very certainly, and I'm sure we'll come on to it in a moment with the with the the Suarez affair. But um, Paratici has definitely not covered himself in in glory in the last uh, year or two. Also, suggestions that Nedved might be might be going. Apparently, he was he would have been a roadblock to Allegri coming back, and even indication that Agnelli might be moving on as president. Although, uh, according to the report I was reading today, it seems that that might not be until the end of a season. So, it really would be a complete overhaul at Juventus, 
which is a bit, a bit of a strange thing to say when you're saying, oh, they're going back to the old manager. But in terms of the hierarchy of the club, just complete change. Um, maybe maybe that's what they need. And obviously the Super League. Um, you <laughs> I was going to say, it's not the first time that Agnelli has been resigning yeah. and then maybe not resigning. <laughs> well, that's true as well. Yeah, but the, weeks. the Super League thing, I think, might have uh, the, the amount of criticism that Agnelli came in for that perhaps might have accelerated uh, that side of it. But uh, it's a really, really interesting story. It's a huge story. And uh, we'll, again, it's another one. We'll, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Yeah. And uh, while we're speaking about Juve, we should probably mention their league form, um, shouldn't we, Bad? Because they, again, dropped points, 1-1 uh, draw with Fiorentina. And it's looking maybe the, like maybe my prediction that they'll finish outside the top four could be uh, could be on. What do you think? Before we start talking about the other game, I just wanted to add uh, something to what Kenny said. And I think we mentioned in the past on the podcast that there's a saying in Italy, uh, minestra riscaldata, reheated soup, and how um, generally there's a feeling that bringing back an old player or old manager is not uh, beneficial. But uh, specifically at Juventus, they, they've bucked a trend in this case because, uh, for example, they brought back Lippi between 2001 and 2004 and uh, he won two Scudetti. They brought back Trapattoni in between 91 and 94 and he won the UEFA Cup. And uh, if, if we really want to go back, in 1974, they brought back uh, Parola, who is um, best known for being the, the logo for the Panini sticker album. But uh, he, <laughs> and he was... Um, he managed to win the league after 16 years of abstinence from Juventus. So uh, unlike uh, other clubs, uh, 15 Juve years have, of abstinence. Juve have abstinence from the from champion from winning. Yeah, okay, that's a, a fair point. Uh, how about the uh, actual question that I asked you? Well, as you can tell, I'm kind of trying to avoid the question, but uh, if if I must, it wasn't a great game from the from the Juventus perspective. Second half, definitely much better. And Pirlo, it has to be said, made some uh, very good changes. And um, definitely the, the the team showed a different spirit in the second half. But this is a, the age-old question. Why not uh, feel this uh, improved uh, tactic in the first half? How come you didn't read the game well? While Fiorentina are not uh, easy cookie, it's not like they're world beaters this season. So you expect the Juventus who are hungry and fighting for a Champions League spot, you expect them to win. But uh, again, I think a draw was just a fair result. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, obviously Juventus playing Udinese this weekend and then the big game against Milan next weekend, which I guess we'll probably discuss next week in more detail because that's really going to be kind of crunch time. But the real drama with Juve has been off the field uh, this week, hasn't it? I mean, we've obviously spoken about the speculation about the manager but there's, I think there's been a development also in the Suarez case um, and I know you've been on top of this for us all season but as a, <laughs> what, what's been going on there? Our correspondent <laughs> Yeah I, I'm your It's Peruja got sources Suarez in Italian, please. Um, This was actually news released uh, a few hours ago so very fresh but um, in, first of all the Italian police uh, released a, a video of uh, Suarez's uh, so-called exam to the to the world and it's very comical it's kind of it's clear that uh, the guy does not speak <laughs> italian and furthermore it's also clear that 
he has an interpreter in the room with him while he's doing the Italian <laughs> exam. <laughs> and then he passes with flying colors, despite making some horrible mistakes. Now, um, this, there, it also, I, I think we touched upon this last time, but the police intercepted some calls from the, the examiners and some of their quotes are very telling. Uh, they, they said stuff like, well... His Italian is really bad, but we're not gonna call, we're not gonna be the ones who cost him a 10 million euro contract, are we? And stuff like that. So very um, banana republic stuff. But the stuff that came out just now is that um, Suarez's um, lawyer, a man called Ivan Zaldua, he's uh, come out and completely denied everything that Andrea Nieli said. And then Yeli said that uh, they pulled out of the Suarez deal due to their, them deciding on a different strategy. But um, the, the lawyer says that they were in touch with uh, Fabio Paratici up until the moment that they were supposed to take the exam. And that uh, at some point Juventus realized that the whole naturalization process would take a month and that they wouldn't make it. And that's when they decided to switch uh, gear. And someone in the police also claims that um, there may have been a leak that revealed to Juventus that uh, this investigation was going to start, which is partly why they didn't buy Suarez. In any case, comical all around. It is comical. And also, who is the interpreter? Because if you've got an interpreter in the room, how do you fail the exam? I mean, he didn't fail the exam, but how do you make so many mistakes on the exam? Maybe it was one of those sign language interpreters, and so completely useless <laughs> for this purpose. <laughs> is an interpreter of space. Yeah, so just Pirlo in the room with him. Um, <laughs> Good. Yeah, I think further investigation probably required on this one, but thanks very I'll much. I'll keep you posted update. from Perugia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about Lazio uh, because they've had a bit of a mix last week, haven't they? Obviously losing 5-2 in that game to Napoli while we were recording last week. Um, and then beating Milan 3-0, Bars. I know you, you probably won't want to speak too much about that one, but they're sort of they're, they're looking dangerous, aren't they? You, you must be worried about them as a Milan fan. They're kind of five points behind Milan in sixth, but with a game in hand, it's uh, it's it's definitely kind of game on. Yeah, and Lazio's um, form in the past uh, few weeks has been incredible, with the exception of that Napoli game that you mentioned. They they've been absolutely on fire. While the the game they won against Milan was probably decided by um, individual episodes, I don't think anyone can say that uh, their their win was undeserved. And uh, it this is one of these another one of these reoccurring themes that we've uh, we've mentioned throughout the season. In the sense that when Lazio have all their players on the pitch and everyone uh, fit, they they play some phenomenal pl- uh, football and. Uh, their attacking is uh, close to none in the league. I have to say that there was a very questionable VAR decision in the, this game for the second goal um, that uh, probably influenced the whole game. Milan seemed to be slightly on the ascendancy and it's impossible to know what would have happened, but uh, this game, this goal uh, cut their legs, so to speak. But uh, just to give some uh, reference, the... Um, Lazio broke from... It's the uh, Wilson paradox style. Okay, so it's it's funny you mention that. In the in the Napoli-Lazio game that we we didn't speak about, we, that we briefly touched upon last week because it was going on while we were recording, there was the most incredible episode I've seen in a long time in the sense that um, 
there was uh, a cross, there was a corner for Napoli. The ball kind of breaks loose and Lazio players run all the way to the other side of the pitch and they're in the area and Lazio gets brought down. Now, kind of, I'm not sure, it was kind of soft. I'm not sure that would it was a penalty, but the ref goes to VAR and uh, he points to the spot, only he points to the spot for Napoli. It turns out that right at the beginning of that move, um, SMS, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, uh, kicked uh, Manolas in the head and therefore the, this whole <laughs> this whole sequence of events that we saw with our eyes never occurred. It just disappeared from the history of the game. So that was one interesting VAR, VAR uh, use, but in this case, I think it was uh, the right use of VAR. But uh, in the Milan game, there was a... Um, a blatant foul on uh, Hakan Kalyunoglu, where um, Lucas Leiva, formerly of uh, Liverpool, went right through him to get the ball, and then Lazio break through and got a, what was a very good goal. The person at the VAR called up the ref to say, look, there was a foul in the build-up. And this kind of pissed me off, because the, the ref walked to the screen with a, a little bit of arrogance, and uh, despite seeing the episode over and over, decided to uh, validate the goal. To me... Um, this again, what do you I, mean I don't with arrogance? He walked with arrogance, like he sort of strutted over there. Or... Yeah, you could tell that he wasn't going to change his decision. He he he'd already disallowed the goal for Lazio at the end of the the first half for a marginal offside that again VAR called back. So I, I think he in his mind he was like, I'm not going to cancel two goals for Lazio in the same game. And um, again, I think this is the problem. The VAR is used differently by different referees. This referee in particular, he's the Italian referee who will go to the Euros. And clearly, a lot of ego comes with that. Yeah, and it was absolutely, from the point of view of someone who is not a, a Milan fan, it was absolutely a free kick. And and to be honest, the the, the offside decision was, uh, decision was absolutely correct as well. I mean, it was marginal. It was like by a toll that he was offside, but he was offside. But this one, the, the Leva absolutely brings Chalanoglu down. It's definitely a free kick. Um, and how he can go and watch that on the monitor as one of the top referees in Serie A and not award it just, God knows for what, for what reasons, um, kind of escapes me. Yeah, you think like the idea of having VAR is to take these human uh, elements out of it, right? Like pride and arrogance. and Yeah, you'd think so. <laughs> it's not, not working that way. <laughs> And to be clear, I, I don't want to, um, I wouldn't want to mask um, Milan's inability to play p- properly right now behind these, this referee decision, but it does kind of sting. But w- it has to be said that Milan's uh, recent form has been abysmal and that uh, C6 Steve Pioli, um, uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he, uh, his, he doesn't seem to be able to make changes both in the running of the game, but also the players he's playing don't seem to respond to him at the moment. And uh, the players that were signed in January are proven to be flops, particularly Mandzukic, who we said last week he uh, donated his salary. I mean, maybe he should donate his salary for this month as well, because uh, even though he's on the pitch, he's not really doing much. And that's the 1.6 million uh, just sitting there, not doing anything on the pitch and really not helping the team. Uh, so La- just let the club accountants worry about that. Yeah, it's not my money, so uh, I'm just going to enjoy the player. But in this case, it, I'm not enjoying the player, and, and so it's kind of annoying. And likewise, Tomori, who has otherwise fared very well this season, he had uh, pretty much a shocker against Lazio. Yeah, that was a howler, wasn't it? That There's one in particular. 
springs to mind. Um, was it for Lazio's second? Yeah, he went to ground too easily. Anyway, while we're on kind of uh, Milan's shaky form, what do we think about their game against Benevento tomorrow night? Uh, could be a really interesting one because Benevento are obviously currently 18th, but tied with Cagliari and Torino on 31 points. Um, Torino have that game in hand, but it's uh, against Lazio. Obviously, we, we kind of previewed the Juve one briefly earlier, saying that's going to be the really big crunch game next Sunday, but important to get the points against Benevento. Or how are you feeling about it, Bars? This is a classic sliding doors match. Uh, if, we'd been speak- if we spoke about this match a month or so ago, we'd be speaking about uh, high-flying Benevento and how fun they are to watch. And we'd be speaking about Milan's, uh, if not their title, will challenge at least their Champions League aspirations. Instead, this has a make-or-break vibe to it, kind of, let's call it a playoff vibe, to touch on something we may talk about later. But Milan have to win this one. And uh, Benevento, while not being a a bogey team, let's say, the fans of uh, the game will remember back in 2018 in uh, Benevento's maiden voyage in Serie A, where they'd failed to get any points on the board for the first 10 or 13 games or so. I can't remember the exact number. And then... uh, their goalkeeper went up in the 90th minute and got scored the equalizer against Milan. So I think uh, this game has priors, and with super people on the bench, there's always uh, there's a, it's always interesting. I'd, I'd have to say that even despite car- Milan's current form, they really should be beating a team like Benevento. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going to be going to be an interesting one. Definitely going to check that out this weekend. Um, and we should preview probably one other game as well. And it should probably be Atalanta-Sassuolo for two reasons. Uh, one, because it's going to be a great game, and we'll talk about that in a second. But also, if Inter beat Crotone away tomorrow evening, then they could win the title if Atalanta lose on Sunday. Um, so, Kenny, yeah. much, do you think there's much chance of that happening? Or they would win the title. Uh, we have yeah, to, sorry, they would. Yeah, we have to expect, really, that Inter... I mean, it would be an incredible shock if Inter came away with anything other than three points from that Crotone game. Uh, so, yeah, this Atalanta game looks like... Uh, this uh, Sassuolo-Atalanta game looks like it could be uh, the one that crowns uh, that crowns Inter as, as champions. Uh, a couple of things to say about this, actually. Uh, in Atalanta and Sassuolo are arguably the two informed teams in Serie A. Sassuolo have now won four games on the trot. Atalanta, I, 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 last time I looked, only Inter had more points than them uh, in this calendar year in Serie A. But Inter have, I think, since drawn two points. So I think Atalanta might have more more points than any other side. That's something that perhaps I should have checked before we started uh, recording. <laughs> But it wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be un Atalanta to um, drop points in this game. Uh, the one thing I guess going for them is that Deserbi has this absolute shocker of a, a record uh, against Atalanta. So it's definitely the, the I mean they're two of the fun teams in Serie A, aren't they? They're two of the teams. They're the hipster teams, as I think we referred to this last <laughs> uh, last time around, the hipster derby. So it's definitely for me the the pick of the the weekends games yeah uh, and while we're on atalanta we should mention that the Coppa Italia final is going to be played in front of 4300 fans at uh sassuolo the, stadium yeah sassuolo <laughs> stadium I, I was mocked by boaz for my pronunciation of this last time i think i called it the mapai doesn't sound like me to mock you 
Um, how how are you saying it before the Mappy? The- I think I think the company is called Mapei. Mapei, the Mapei Stadium. So yeah, looking forward to that one. I just wanted to say that uh, Sassuolo have just won four games in a row, and uh, they've never won, they've never won five games in a row in a single Serie A season. So that's also quite interesting. And another small stat that I wanted to shoot out there is that this will be uh, Sassuolo's three hundredth game in Serie A. Which gives they're the sixth quite uh, sixth team from Emilia Romagna to achieve this uh, goal, and only Lombardy has uh, more teams that has have achieved that. So uh, all, all around, uh, a, a region I love for its food deserve gets is getting some credit for football as well. Oh, and and the la- and the final stat is that um, and this really surprised me. Is that Sassuolo have you, uh, um, been doing your research this week? <laughs> only yeah. about Sassuolo, evidently. <laughs> only about Sassuolo. But <laughs> Sassuolo have the best um, ball possession stats in Europe and from Italy, and they're only behind the likes of Man City, Barcelona, Chelsea, PSG, Dortmund, and Liverpool. So um, that's a very impressive company to be in. Maybe they should invite them to the Super League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And. Yeah, so shall we... I mean, are they a candidate for good week, perhaps? They're on fire. Um, but I think we gave them good week last week. And uh, I mean, I love Sassuolo, but I don't love them that much. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Who else have we got as nominations then? I mean, Napoli uh, obviously had some good results recently. There's there's a few good uh, nominations. I mean, Inter obviously are within touching distance, so we'll, we'll leave them out of the equation. Um, Probably give them it next week or the week afterwards, I would imagine. Uh, Atalanta moving into second place. If Atalanta finish in second place, that would be their highest ever finish in in Serie A. Uh, but I think it has to go to Napoli. I mean, that, that Lazio game uh, was playing as we were recording uh, last week. But to come off the back of that, get another win... Uh, move into the the top four into the Champions League spots. They're a team on the up, as Boaz said. When they've got all their players fit uh, and raring to go, uh, they are pretty much unstoppable. And uh, it's yeah, it's looking increasingly. And uh, I hope this doesn't come back to bite me as someone who has uh, strong sympathies for Atalanta. It's looking increasingly. Like it's going to be Napoli, Atalanta, and Inter in the Champions League, and one of Juve or Milan are going to lose out. So on that basis, I think you probably have to give uh, Team of the Week to, to Napoli. Yeah, that that's, um, makes sense to me. And uh, yeah, hopefully my prediction of Juve missing out is going to come true. <laughs> but on the bad week front, I think there can be no argument about giving this to Roma. I mean, None two losses. Me. Absolutely no argument for me. <laughs> You have to be in the semi-final to lose it, but maybe six-two is uh, is uh, almost dishonorable territory. Yeah, I mean we're not giving them like bad year or bad tournament, but bad week. They got knocked out of the the tournament that was their last chance to really qualify. They were incredible for thirty-seven minutes, and then they let in five goals in uh, the space of about forty minutes. Less than that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's solid then. Good week, Napoli. Bad week, Roma. Not to we mention just, losing to Cagliari. Yeah. Uh, just before we move on to the honourables and dishonourables, we should just mention this new format of uh, Serie A playoffs, which has been suggested this week. I don't know who exactly is behind the initiative, Kenny. I didn't quite get that. 
So I think this came out of the response to the the, the Super League, basically, and it was a recognition that uh, things need to change. But this seems to be the the line that everyone's taking. Oh, yeah, things need to change. Things need to change. We need to make something that appears more like the NFL or a Super League or something. And it seems to me like they're looking for the answer in the wrong place. Or in this case, the NBA. Yeah, (laughs) or in this case, the the NBA. To me, it's very obvious that one of the big flaws of the Super League and one of the big flaws of any suggestion that there would be a playoff to determine the the champions of Syria is that the reason that things like... I'm I'm going to speak about the NFL more than the NBA because I'm more familiar with it. The reason that that works is because there are small groups. There are multiple small groups so you have lots of champions entering in much, much in the same way as, say, the Champions League uh, is, is formatted. Um, but the idea that you have this league of 20 teams where the top six or seven qualify for a playoffs at the end of a season and Juve, let's say, if we were talking two years ago or Inter, if we're talking this year, can be 16 points ahead and then all of a sudden a team that's like 25 points behind them in sixth place can come through and claim that they're the the rightful champions. Uh, there's, there's a lot wrong with that. But also the fact that then what you're saying, like once Inter are 16 points clear with five games left to play, that everyone's still going to tune into Inter games or Real Madrid games in a Super League because they're Real Madrid or Inter. If the games don't have anything weighing on them, no one's going to be interested anyway. The answer is that there are too few top teams and the only way for there to be fewer top teams is if you create some sort of a setup for there to be like for for teams below them to be rewarded and brought up to that level so to me it's all to do with the distribution that's going to too few i'm not talking about my saint mirren getting uh (laughs) getting the riches but you know there are plenty of big clubs that uh, napoli looking in italy your napoli's your your roma's that if they had uh, a bit more of the prize money came their way, um, you might be able to have this, you know, Super League within the Champions League without needing to to break away. So yeah, all of this talk just, to me, it's just complete nonsense. The idea that you need playoffs in Serie A. If there's a problem in Serie A, it's the fact that the top teams get too much money. And again, I'm not talking about your Beneventos uh, not getting enough of the money. I'm talking about teams that finish high up the table not getting enough of the prize money personally it's just my my personal view yeah can't disagree with with any of that just while we're on the topic of when playoffs are used in the italian football structure um and it makes sense like uh for the promotion from serie b the top two teams qualify automatically and then the third spot is just decided by kind of knockout games uh, adds a bit of excitement we have the same thing in, in england as well but yeah deciding the champion on a knockout based tournament after a season-long campaign just it doesn't doesn't feel right at all does it anyway enough about that let's uh, move on to honorable and dishonorable mentions and uh, i'll let you kick this one off kenny with uh honorable for uh muriel i think Yes, for Luis Muriel of uh, Atalanta. So uh, this this is for multiple reasons, I think. If I could give him more than one honourable in one pod, I would. So first of all, for his man-of-the-match performance uh, against Bologna, that back-heel assist for uh, Atalanta's first goal is absolutely delightful. And as you said earlier, Oscar, the more you see it, the, the better it gets. He also hit the post, narrowly missed uh, another 
uh, scored a, a penalty. But the the other reasons that I'm giving him an honourable are because this week he was awarded Serie Player of the Month for for April, uh, and also this this next one is uh, courtesy of Opta Opta Paolo um, or OptaStat. Uh, is that with 19 goals and eight assists, those are both equaling his uh, personal records this season. We've still got a few games left to go, let's not forget. Uh, And that only Lukaku and Cristiano Ronaldo are involved in more goals uh, in Serie A, 28 and 30. And further to that, uh, he is averaging a goal every 66 minutes which appears to be amongst the leading scorers anyway amongst the top 20 scorers in Serie A uh, the only person who comes close to that rate is uh, Zlatan who has a goal every 89 minutes so yeah Luis Muriel absolutely deserved honourable mention thanks very much for that one Kenny um, and now Baz we've got a slightly more more uh, sombre one obviously you did give a dishonourable to Thieves last week in a slightly jokey way but uh, th- this is actually a serious dishonourable for people who said death threats um, after the news about Pillow's son, isn't it? Yeah, it goes without saying that uh, death threats are a big no-no and it's something that we need to add to our general Scudetto list of um, crimes we do not uh, agree with. But uh, to be serious for a second, uh, this is a reaction to the news that came out this week that uh, Pillow's son was receiving... Uh, death threats and all sorts of nasty messages via Instagram and other social media channels. And actually, um, he was the one who um, published this himself. So uh, I feel like if you, it goes without saying, whether, however you feel about the coach, however you feel about the team not performing to the standards you expect, it's a real vile action to go after someone's son and in general to send death threats. So uh, big dishonorable from the Scudetto crew. Absolutely. Um, and an honourable, actually, uh, Kenny, for Italian clubs that are taking a stand against this sort of thing. Yeah, so this is actually, so it's actually Fiducci, the the quote that, that I noticed, but I, uh, I have noted the Italian Twitter has been very, very silent uh, this afternoon. And it's one that actually goes out to, you know, across European football, really, that people are um, taking... A, a vow of silence today anyway from i think it was 3 p.m onwards uh in you know in response to to online abuse which i guess ties in very very uh closely with with the point that boaz just made but it, it's really good to see um, italian football involved in this it's really good to see all of european football standing up and while there are obviously many contentious issues uh, there are Many areas where you know we have the, the the bigger clubs and the smaller clubs falling out as we've had recently, um, or we have disagreements over over decisions. When it comes to things like this, it's really great to see that the football community as a whole, uh, including that that in Italy, uh, can come out and just say this is not acceptable, and that the social media companies need to do something about this. Uh, it, enough is enough, and uh, it's time for them to stop washing their hands of it and claiming that they play no part in it because. Without these high-profile clubs, without these high-profile federations, without these high-profile players on these platforms, they would certainly have uh, a lot less traction. So good on everyone, really, for for getting involved in this uh, really good initiative. Yeah, well said. And just sticking with you for a second, Kenny, maybe you can just give us your your weekly goals, Honourable, now. Who's made the cut? 
Sure. So last week I had uh, I had a theme which was half volleys. This week my theme is absolute hits from outside the box. Uh, and I'm going to give one to Bakayoko for uh, Napoli's opener in their uh, win uh, against Torino. Partly just because it was Bakayoko who did it. And I think everyone in world football was surprised to see him do this. But he... he uh, <laughs> set himself up with so much grace and then absolutely hammered the ball across the the keeper into the far corner and then uh, another one for Marine as well uh, for Cagliari's second against Roma which uh, was in a similar vein really uh, although he had all the time in the world uh, to hit it because he was playing against uh, a Roma defence uh, but on top of those themed goals, honourables, I'm also going to have to give one to Vlaovic for his uh, Panenka penalty against Juve. They look uh, very embarrassing when they don't come off, but when they work, uh, they just look so cool. And shades of Luca Toni with his celebration, which is I approve of all round. And there was nil nil at that point as well, wasn't it? So fairly, uh, fairly high pressure situation to go for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, guys, do you want to? Go next. I don't know which one you want to do. Well, it was uh, it's slightly out of our remit because it was in the Champions League where Italian clubs never go, go f- very far. I, I was quite tickled by the fact that um, Pep Guardiola, while he was being interviewed by Italian TV, he um, quoted uh, uh, Italian singer Francesco De Gregori, who was known as the Prince of Sing of Songwriters, and and he said. Uh, uh, it's it's just like when Francesco De Gori says we are the love story, we are the story. Um, so obviously Pep Guardiola still keeps uh, fond memories of his time in Italy, and it's nice that he's able to pull out these random quotes of singer songwriters. I, I bet he does the same thing in Germany. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. Um, and Kenny, you wanted to give an honorable to uh, Rodrigo De Paul. Yeah, Rodrigo De Paul was absolutely unbelievable in that game uh, against Benevento at the weekend. In particular, an absolute, uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just a, a, a pinpoint uh, assist for the, the first goal, which had everything with it. it took, about, took out about three or four players, including one of his own uh, teammates. And then also uh, just a, a wonderful cross for the third, very, very heavily involved in, in Udinese's second as well. And assist for the assist, as they, as they refer to them. Just an absolute superstar um, it would be interesting to see where he is next year. I know that there have been um, plenty of fans of the, the bigger clubs clamoring for, for him to to be picked up by them, uh, Inter being one of them. But yeah, I mean, he's an absolute superstar. Yeah, I'll be looking out for him in uh, Udinese's game against Juve this weekend. Be should be an interesting one. Guys, you've got a couple more honourable... Well, you've got one more honourable and one more dishonourable. Let's start with the honourable, shall we? I've got a... Uh, honor, a shared honorable between uh, David and Nicola and a uh, young boy who supports Turin who's just called Luca. Apparently, uh, Luca sent in his uh, homework essay that he'd uh, handed in for class, and it was all about how when Torino score and um, the, the speaker shouts the player's name and the whole everyone goes home happy. And uh, apparently, David and Nicola used this essay to. Um, to uh, get his uh, team fired up for the upcoming game. So another nice gesture from Nicola, who's uh, generally impressed us this season. Um, and just your, on your last uh, dishonorable is related to Monza, who are currently sitting at, I think it's four, in the second division, uh, which means they would automatically go to the semi-finals 
of the playoff in Serie A should the season finish with them in this position. So Monza have aspirations for had aspirations for um, automatic qualification, I believe, at the beginning of the season. But uh, being in fourth spot obviously puts them in uh, still in pole position to uh, at least challenge for qualification. The issue is that eight players, uh, including uh, Kevin Prince Botting, all traveled to uh, Switzerland on the weekend, and they went to a casino. And uh, obviously, all Oof. the photos were up on social media. First of all, the club has suspended the players. They're they're not called up for the match that's happening this weekend, which is a, a direct match against one of their rivals, Salernitana. And also, um, furthermore, because of COVID restrictions, these players may not be able to train with the rest of the team for the, the rest of the week. So, dumb all around. But while I'm at it, I want to give a sub-dishonorable to the some elements of the media who um, were very quick to add Balotelli to their headlines. Eight players from Monza go to go to the casino. Balotelli, not one of them. So why are you doing <laughs> his name? Well, they they love to they love to get him involved, don't they? But um, yeah, honourable for Balotelli then. Honourable for not going, not breaking the rules, <laughs> going to a casino. Bravo, Mario. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good note to end the podcast on. Well done, Mario. That's all we've got time for. Or, this or maybe week. they just didn't invite him. Can you imagine we're we're starting like a diplomatic incident in the Monza changing room? Like Mario Balotelli <laughs> was just like, "Where's my invite?" <laughs> yeah. He probably or have set was... off fireworks in the casino or something. Maybe he's in disguise. <laughs> it's better than going to a casino with Jamie Vardy. Yeah, probably the less said about that, the better. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely all we've got time for this week. If you don't already, please do subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your audio. We'll speak to you next week. Until then, enjoy the football. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.